we give you the thanks because as a result of our experience and your presence this morning it will be evident unto all men that of the truth we have been with jesus thank you father for answered prayers for in jesus name we have prayed amen if you've got two hands i want you to celebrate the lord jesus this morning come on come on you can do better than that you can do better than that hallelujah you may please be seated in the presence of the lord amen so all throughout this month we've been having a discourse on how to survive financial tough times and today being the fourth part in that discourse we're going to be bringing it to an end next week sunday so today is the fourth part how to survive financial tough times how to survive financial tough times and our text has been taken from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 to verse 2, and the fifth verse. But the Bible says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. It says, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. It says, But the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. In the fifth verse, it says, Then you will see and flow together, and your heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto you. I thought somebody was going to say, Amen. And the forces of the Gentiles will come to you in the name of Jesus. That word forces and the abundance of the sea is talking about there. It's talking about provisions. It's talking about wealth. It's talking about supplies. And I pray for someone that in this season, in every area of sufficiency, there will be abundance in the name of Jesus. In every area of shortage, there will be increase in this season in the name of Jesus. So it is no longer news that we're, the world in which we currently find ourselves is going through. And so many industries have been impacted, right, by the pandemic. And so it is imperative for us as children of God to go into the canons of scriptures and begin to ask ourselves, to begin to find out, is there any provision that God has made for his people in a time like this? And some financial analysts have postulated that the effect of the um, pandemic, right, is going to reverberate, right, for the next five years, right? That's, that's their own postulation. But the Bible says, whose report would you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I choose to be believe the report of the Lord. Now, that does not mean because you believe the report of the Lord, you should be ignorant of the reports of the analysts you say you need to know those things so that you will know how to position yourself because the bible says a prudent man foresees evil and he hides himself he foresees it it simply means he can see it coming then he positions himself strategically because if he does not see it he will not be able to position himself he says but the foolish person and they are punished so when you hear things like that being said on the media, you don't just say things like, no, God forbid. You know, that's what people do in this part of the world. They say, God forbid. As if the way you are doing your hand backwards, that's what will make it go away. Haven't you seen people do all those things and it's as if they are the first recipient of calamities. So it's about positioning yourself, knowing what it takes to ensure that you are not affected, right, by the happenings of the current age. So many things have been said during the course of the series. I'd encourage you to get the messages available on the website for free download. So get it and listen to it. It will bless you. We said during financial tough times, ensure you don't go into hustle mode. Number two, we said you need to realize that every generation 
is going to go through a financial crisis. So it is nothing new for the undiscerning and for the uneducated in the things of the spirit. It will look like a novel thing. It will look like something new. That ah, we are going through something that has never happened before. It is not new. It just has different names. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The children of Egypt, they went through wars. But in the midst of the plague that was ravaging the land, even though the covenant people were in Egypt, the Bible says they were in Goshen, what was affecting others did not affect them. And I pray for you in this season that what is affecting others will not come near you in the name of Jesus. The Bible says the angel of death moved around the land of Egypt and killed the firstborn of every cattle, every animal, and every human being. But the Bible says that in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, the Bible says there was no... even. You know, it's so amazing. The Bible could be graphical sometimes. The Bible says that even a dog did not bark at any human being. Even the dogs were so calm. While everybody was wailing, mourning, and weeping in Egypt, and you need to understand the types and symbolism of scriptures. Now, when you see the word Egypt, it's not necessarily referring to a geographical location, apart from the time that the Bible tells us the children of Israel were in Egypt. It's talking about the systems of this world. It's talking about the operations of the kingdom of this world. So no matter what people are going through, you must have an expectation because that is where it starts from. That consciousness must be there that you have a better covenant. Even though you are in this world, that's what the Bible tells us. We are not of the world. We are not of the world. You also need to understand that in financial tough times, that every scarcity is man just like I said last week Sunday. Since the pandemic started, there is no money that has left the earth to space. There is no money that has left the earth to heavens, right? Dollar has not left the earth. Even though they, some people are holding it. Huh? <laughs> because that's what happens. When there is scarcity, it is created by man. A dollar is now how much? 470 what? 470s. is in the 470s. From 360 something before the pandemic started. You see, and say, oh, because dollar is scarce. No dollar is scarce. Some people have just held on to it. And you know, it's just a simple law of economics. Supply and demand. If people don't demand for something, the little supply that is made available will be very expensive. It's just economics. So every form of scarcity is man-made. Next thing you need to understand is this. There is abundance everywhere. There is abundance everywhere. What you look for is what you find. If you are looking for abundance, you will find it. If you are looking for scarcity, like every other person, you will find it. How you look for things, right, is you look for things with your mind, not with your eyes. You look for things with your expectation, not necessarily with optical observation. So there is abundance everywhere. The question is, what are you expecting? Also, we said that you are not meant to just survive in a season like this. You are meant to thrive. For a believer, a time of crisis is God's best time to show off through your life. That's what the Bible says in Genesis 26. That when there was famine in the land, in the time of Isaac, the Bible says that Isaac sowed in that same land, that same year, and he reaped a hundredfold. Why is it that he did not experience a hundredfold return before the crisis? Why is it that it was during the crisis? Because it is in the midst of darkness that light becomes effective. It is in the midst of darkness that light has meaning. If there is no darkness, you see, all the stage lights now, it looks so bright. But if we put them outside now, because we are during the daytime, the effect is not going to be as strong as the effect is as indoors. So this is God's best time to show himself through your life. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying this morning? And my prayer for you is that God will show himself through your life in the name of Jesus. So remember to thrive during a financial tough time, number one, get your emotions under control. Get your emotions under control. 
That is very, very important. You need to pay attention to that. Get your emotions under control. You see, what you are exposed to through sight and sound is what determines your emotional state. Sight and sound will always affect your emotional state. What do I mean by that? The things you see and the things you hear. It's going to determine what grows and what goes in your life. What you hear and what you see will determine whether faith will rise and fear will leave or whether fear will increase and faith will be minimal in your life. So get your emotions under control. That's what the Bible says, you know, in Luke 21 and verse 19. It says in your, in your patience, it says possessing your souls. Number two thing that was said, right, is that we need to exercise our authority over our finances. As a believer, God has given you authority. He has given you authority. In the beginning, the Bible says God said. And everything God said, God saw. And if the Bible says we are created in the image and in the likeness of God, it simply means anything you say, you shall see. But it's not just about saying it. It's about saying it with an expectation that you will see it. That's what the Bible says, that when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, Jesus did not speak to the fig tree and he was still wondering, will it happen? He spoke and he left. And the second day, the disciples saw that the tree had dried up from its roots. You see, and the Bible says they were surprised. And Jesus said to them, well, why are you guys surprised? Jesus wasn't surprised because he said it, he expected that it will happen. So the question is, when you are speaking, do you expect things to happen? Or you are only, you know, engaging yourself in some religious rituals? When there is no money in your bank account, what do you do? Do you complain like every other person? When the customers are not coming, what do you do? When it seems as if you've been on the same spot on your job, no promotion has come for a long time, what do you do? Do you complain like every other person? Do you fraternize with your co-workers and begin to speak heel of the boss? Is that what you do? Since you've been doing that, how much solution has it produced? What a busy, the strength of a believer is not in public, it's in the private. That's what the Bible says that when you pray, you lock the doors. It says your heavenly father that hears you in private will reward you publicly. Anything you do for public recognition has already given you its reward. That's the, rec that's the reward, recognition. Recognition. As believers, our strength is in the secret place. Our strength is in the secret place. Whatever you see manifest in the public is a byproduct of the investment that has been made in the secret place. So exercise your authority. Don't just watch things happen in your life. Speak to things. Dictate the course of your life. Chart the course of your destiny. Praise the Lord. Number three, we said that in order for you to try during financial tough times, you need to accept the blame and the responsibility for your financial status. Accept the blame and responsibility for your financial status. You see, someone else's success is not the reason for your failure. The reason why some people are failing financially is not because some people are doing well financially. We live in a world of abundance. Remember we've laid that foundation. There is enough to go around. There is enough for everyone. You see, because wealth is not end, it is created. So if you want some, create yours. That's the way the world works. Accept the blame. Get to a point in your life, you see, the day your life, one of the most important days of your life is the day you say from this day forward, the box stops here. That from this day forward, I will no longer blame anybody. I will not blame my parents. I will not blame my uncles. I will not blame my, uh, uh, my friends. It's so sad that in this part of the world, we have this entitlement mindset that if my friend is doing well, we are doing well. No, your friend is doing well. You are not doing well. Go look for your own success. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The reason people feel offended is because there is a mind. I see. Let me tell you this. If people know 
People are sensitive, especially the smart ones, because everybody is not smart. You know, this is the house of God, so we need to tell the truth. I hope you are part of the smart ones. People are smart. They know the people they can share things with and the people they cannot share things with. They know. They know the people that feel entitled. Let me tell you this. If you have access to a successful person, or if you had access, and you notice you no longer have that access, check yourself. It might be that they are already sensing in you entitlement mentality. Entitlement mentality. Entitlement mentality. You know, one of my friends shared a powerful testimony with me during the course of the week, you know, and he told me, he said, Pastor Akin, you are the only one in my life that I can tell this. Because you are the only one I feel comfortable with to tell something like this. I was amazed. I said, wow, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> powerful testimony. <laughs> a testimony that got me also into the place of prayers. You need those kind of people around you, but you see, you can't have those kind of people around you if you think what has happened for them is your right. This has happened for my friend. At least he knows now. You should be able to help me. Who helped him? Praise the Lord. The next thing you need to pay attention to if you're going to survive during financial tough times is you need to prioritize divine guidance. Be led by the Spirit of God. Be led by the Spirit of God. Don't be led by feelings. Don't be led by the media. Don't be led by people. Don't be led by circumstances. The Bible says there are, as it were, many voices on the earth. It says that none is without signification. That is, none is without significance. There is the voice of celebrities. There is the voice of your pastor. There is the voice of God. There is the voice of the Holy Spirit. There is the voice of lack. Do you know that? Lack can speak to you. <laughs> Some people are driven by lack, not by the Spirit. Some people are driven by desperation, not by the Spirit. Desperation to get money at all costs. I fear for this generation of young people. A generation of people that will do anything to get money. Anything. Anything. Ethics is out of the window. Morals are out of the window. As long as some box is going to come in, people don't care. It's so amazing that they even bring the money and they tight it. If you are making that kind of money, please don't bring it here. It's an accosting. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you are making Yahoo Yahoo money, don't bring it here. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. You might not like it, but you know I'm not a diplomatic person. <laughs> or should I try to be diplomatic? It can't work. Could it work? <laughs> Number five. Reduce your expenses. This was where we stopped last week Sunday. I already mentioned some things I didn't even say last week Sunday. So when I reiterate, I still say new things. So pay attention. Reduce your expenses. Reduce your expenses. I gave us practical tips that we can deploy. That will like enable us to reduce our expenses. Praise the Lord. You see, one of the things you need to pay attention to as an individual, especially in this part of the world, as you begin to grow up, maybe in business, in career, in your finance, is you need to avoid something called the Savior Syndrome. The Savior Syndrome. And I want you to listen attentively. I didn't talk about this last week. The Savior Syndrome. You see, sometimes the Savior Syndrome is imposed upon you unconsciously in this part of the world. It's imposed upon you. Imposed upon you by friends, imposed upon you by family members, making you feel as if, you know, you know putting a guilt trip on you. Ah, but, ah, but you, you have now, you can see that your, your brothers, your sisters, they, they need this thing. Eh? And you are there. Eh? Oh, be a child of mercy. Oh, malanu. <laughs> they put some guilt trips on you. And before you know it, you become a savior. And you know what happens to saviors? They have to die. And that's why you see that you are dying. Your finances are dying. You have nothing to show because you have become a savior. God, you see, there is only one savior. It's Jesus. You don't have what it takes to save anybody. 
That's why I have the principle. If I help someone once, I help you twice, I help you the third time, I notice you are beginning to expect it for your sake, not mine. I will cut it off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I don't want to be a savior in your life. Because the moment you become a savior in somebody's life is a dangerous place to occupy. You are taking the place of God in their life. And the Bible tells us that God is a jealous God. He does not want anything or anyone to take his place. The best thing you can do for anyone is to point them to God. It's to direct them to God. Don't be a savior in anybody's life. It is not a burden you can bear. No matter how financially comfortable you are, you will dry up. It's only a matter of time. Don't be a savior. Don't be a savior. You can't succeed at it. You can't succeed at it. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Is somebody hearing me this morning? Number six, create a budget and stick to it. <laughs> create a what? A budget and stick to it. Some people create budgets, but they don't stick to it. It's at the end of the month they will remember, ah, I created a budget. <laughs> a budget is not a budget, ah, huh? if it does not guide your expenses. The purpose of a budget is to tell your money where to go before it comes instead of wondering where it went after it has gone. A budget is a written financial plan that tells your money where to go before it comes. You only create a budget before the money arrives. It's not after the money. When the money arrives, you will get so many superlative ideas. Ideas that shouldn't have entered your mind in the first place. Do you have a budget for what you are trusting God for? Let me tell you this. There is a faith budget that every believer should have. That is, you are trusting God for something. When that thing comes, this is what I will do with this resource. And there is a budget that you also make based on your reality. You know this is the particular income you have every month. This is what comes in. You have a budget for that. Then you also have a faith budget. A faith budget. Now, you don't deploy a faith budget until your faith has produced. I have faith. I'm living by faith. No, you are living by foolishness. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? And so when you create a budget, things have to be prioritized. A budget is not the listing of your desired expenditure. A budget, right, create, also outlines the chronological order of how the resources will be expended when they eventually come. That is, what will be done first? What will be done second? What will be done thirdly? For every serious-minded believer, the first thing that should be on the budget of the finance of every serious believer is tithe. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's tithing. Number two should be savings. Before you start spending, those two things must leave. <laughs> Some people, is when they have expended that they now remember, ah, I've not saved. They now want to save. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? That's no longer savings. Uh, it can be savings, but it cannot be effective. Because the purpose of a budget is to create a system. Imagine if every time you wanted to breathe, you have to pray. Or before your heart pumps blood, you have to say, God, don't forget. And I say, ah, in Jamaica, make sure that heart is pumping. No, a system, there are different systems in your body, which makes things automated. That is, you breathe without even being conscious, except the fact that you have to wear a face mask. That's when you are conscious now that, ah, I need to breathe small. No? <laughs> 
Praise the Lord. But on a normal day, you just breathe. You are not even aware because there is a system in place. That is what budgeting does. It creates a system for your finances. So you don't have to be thinking all the time, what do I do with money? Hey, what are we going to do now? No, no. A system is already put in place that channels your resources in the right places. If there is no system, which is what a budget does, you will just realize that money is coming and money is going. Money is coming and what? And let me tell you this. When a system is in place, Ah, uh, that's why sometimes when there are sicknesses and diseases, what that is simply telling us is that there is a breakdown in a particular system of the body. That's why sickness and diseases show up. So when certain things have been introduced into your expenditure that was not part of the budgeting, what's going to happen is there will be a disease in your finances. Am I helping anybody this morning? Luke chapter 14, verse 28 to 30. Jesus said, For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all will see it begin to mock him and saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish it. So three things we need to note here is that a budget requires, number one, a sitting down. That is the creation of time and intentionality. In, you see, to have a budget, there has to be intentionality. It doesn't just happen. You must create time for it. It's not something you can do on the move, on the go. There has to be intentionality. You have to create time that, okay, this is the time of the month that I create my budget. Secondly, there has to be a counting. That is an awareness of what is required to accomplish what you want to do. You have to count it. And the Bible also talks about a costing. You say, who, who, who does, wants to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost. A costing simply means you'll find out what is required to achieve what you want to do. Those three things must be in place. Intentionality. And awareness of what is required. And finding out what it takes. What you need to do. The part that you need to play. You see, a basic budget template is this. No, Proverbs 21 and verse 20. The Bible says there is treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise. It says, but a foolish man spends everything. A foolish man spends everything. Don't be a fool. It's a scriptural admonition. It's not an insult. Don't be a fool. Everybody say, what? The Bible is telling us that if you spend everything, no matter how small your salary, your income is, how much that business is generated? Let me tell you, even if it is just 500 naira that is separated, I explained to you what it does last week, so I'm not going to go into that again. There is something it does to you psychologically that makes you consistently attract abundance. Abundance. Hmm. Matthew 13 and verse 12. The Bible says, For whoever has, to him shall be given. And he shall have more abundance. It says, but whoever does not have, from him will be taking what he already has. Look at the biblical template. It simply means there is even a supernatural force that works in the favor of any man or any woman that has something in a particular place saved up. He's saying that if you have, you will have more abundance. But for the one that says, I don't have. Even what he has will be taken away from him. That says what the Bible is trying to tell us is that there is nobody that does not have. It's only a function of perspective that what I have is not enough. For some of us, what we are earning are single. Some people have married on it. 
Do you know that? Some people have my building a family and they are fine. I'm saying, ah, it's not enough, it's not enough. It will never be enough. I want you to write this down. If you are taking notes, income should be budgeted into five categories. Five categories. Write this down and never forget it. Number one is necessity. Number one is necessity. Number two is emergency. Number three is investment. Number four is learning. Number five is fun. I'm going to go over that again. Number one is necessity. 60% of your income should go into your necessities. What are necessities? Expenses, bills, rent, internet, tithing, giving. Those are necessities. Things that you have to do. 60%. Housing is a necessity. You know that? It's a necessity. Everybody slept somewhere today, last night. You slept somewhere. So it's a necessity. And you say, make sure the necessity is within your size. If you don't want to be homeless in the future, leave your size now. Everybody say, you know, you know, my kind of status, you know, it is your income that dictates your status, not who you think you are. So, you know, somebody like me by now, ah, should be living in a, in, in a duplex, you know, in like Omali um, face, face too, you know. In, in people like me, you know, look, look at my skin color. People like me live in Ikoi. If you don't need to be saying it. It is your finance that is dictating your status. If you can't afford it, respect yourself. If you don't want to be homeless. Let me see. Some of the people you see homeless on the streets, they were once living in some places. I hope you know that. Don't rent a house or buy a car that you have to be praying and fasting to maintain. A father, ah, this car, I have to service it next week. Father, do wonders, do wonders. You are fasting to maintain a car? Something is wrong with you. Seriously wrong. With so many things you need to release your faith for. It is maintaining car. Emergency is number two. And I'm still going to talk about this extensively, but 10% minimum should go into your emergency fund. Number three is investment. Minimum of 10% should go into this. Learning, 10%. Under learning, you have personal development books, coaching, workshops. Hmm. If you don't have a budget for personal development, you will soon, the marketplace will soon outgrow your value level is only a matter of time. Some of us, the last book we read was the book we read in school. You also need to budget for fun, recreation. Because even on the seventh day, God rested. So you need to make plans for it. Vacation, miscellaneous, you know, going out to eat, hanging out. Hmm. For some people, fun, they are fun. They term their fun as necessity. Continue. Like my mom would say when we're growing up, say, Yo, Beru Rembudi. What's the English of that? <laughs> you will huh? Huh? You will meet your load at the bus stop. <laughs> you know, my uncle, you know, I, I tried but I could not catch up. One of my uncles, you know, every statement is a proverb. <laughs> 
No, I used to adore him growing up. How can somebody know this much proverb? But there's a particular proverb he used to say. I never forgot. He said it when we were very young. You know, during those times of youthful, you know, youthful exuberance and what? Juvenile delinquent. <laughs> I've been misbehaving anyhow. My uncle looked at me and my sisters one day. He said, Oh, Dodge, I let Columbrella to my father. That is, it is in the evening time that somebody holding an umbrella, we know they are carrying a load. You know, in the morning or in the afternoon when it is sunny, when you are using an umbrella, you are feeling cool. You look better than everybody. It's in the evening when you are going home and you don't have a car and you are struggling to enter the bus that you will remember is a load. Some people even forget it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Statistics tells us that 60% of Americans are one paycheck from abject poverty. And you know the United States of America is one of the richest countries in the world. In Africa, research has discovered uh, that 90% of the population, so if they are saying 90% of the population, it also includes 90% of the people here this morning, are just one paycheck or one emergency away from being wiped out financially. Just one, not two, one. So the pandemic revealed it to us. The moment some people did not collect full salary or one month salary, they, they, they got into crisis mode. <laughs> Number seven. Enough on that. Number seven. Set up an emergency fund and protect it. Set up an emergency fund if you want to survive financial tough times. Hmm. In the immediate and in the future, and let me tell you this, if Jesus studies, this is not the last financial crisis the world will experience. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not a prophet of doom, but I'm a student of history and I'm a student of scriptures. It's always cyclical. What happened in 2008, if you are old enough to remember, it was called the economic crash. Although there was a time there was a dot-com crisis. It's always cyclical. You don't pray against it. It is the world in which we live in. You see, this, from the moment man fell, everything was falling alongside with man. Because man was given dominion and authority over the earth. The moment man lost it, his environment began to dominate him. There is nothing you can do about it. As long as you are still on this earth, huh? there will always be financial crisis. So number seven, set up an emergency fund and protect it. From who? Not from demons. From family and friends. Protect your emergency fund from who? From family and friends. The Savior Syndrome. Hmm. I'm going to step on some few toes in some few moments. No one prays for an emergency but the wise plan for it. Nobody prays for what? An emergency. But the wise ones always does what? They plan for it. Because emergencies always happen. <laughs> Nobody prays as I'm going out today, oh father, as my children are going to school, or my child is going to school, let him come back with a cut on his hand. Children always have emergencies. Do you know that? For those of us that are parents, please plan for it. You must have a, a, an account that is emergency. You are not praying for, as you are go, children are going out in the morning. You anoint them. And men, listen to this. It's not the work of your wife to be praying over the children. It is your work. You are the head of that home. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pray for, pray for. You pray for the cover. No, no, no. That's the responsibility. That's the responsibility. In Genesis 41, verse 47 to 49, the Bible says, Now, in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. So Joseph gathered up all the food of the seven years, which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up in the store laid up in full, laid up the food in the cities. He laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. What did Joseph do in this passage of scripture? He created an emergency fund. That was what he did. Because with the benefit of foresight, God told him a famine was coming. And one thing I've discovered is this. Before a thing, God is so faithful. Before a time of financial crisis, a time of financial abundance always precedes it. Always. Check your life. It always precedes it. There will always be a time where the resources will flow before you go into a crisis mode. So the Bible says what Joseph did. As someone who had covenant understanding, what he did was that he created an emergency fund for seven years. Can you be that disciplined? For some people, when an emergency does not come, they say, emergency did not show up there. They just dip their hand. You keep growing an emergency fund. And I'm going to explain to you what you do with an emergency fund. He said, setting up an emergency fund, number one, requires discipline. Discipline to delay gratification and not touch it. Number two, it requires long-term thinking. Number three, it requires an understanding of life and history. An understanding. It is out of understanding that you do it. Have enough cash liquidity that can last you for three to six months if you are stuck without income. An emergency fund must be able to, let's assume we are not praying that it happens, but if you don't have an income for the next three to six months, your emergency fund should be able to cover your expenses from three to six months. House rent, wedding ceremony, naming ceremony, school fees, a new phone, new clothes, those are not emergencies. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? They are not what? Emergencies. So no 20 ultra is not an emergency. That Gucci shoe is not an emergency. That Brazilian wig is not an emergency. Do people see you use Brazilian wig? Wow, my hair is not an emergency. A car breakdown, an accident. You are not praying for it, but you plan for it. Opportunities to acquire assets, hospital bills, investment opportunities, those are emergencies. Let me tell you this, there are some investment opportunities that open up within a short window. If you don't have the resources to take advantage of it, it's gone forever. It's an opportunity in a God-based combat. It's a lie. Some opportunities, once you don't take advantage of them, it's gone forever. Let anybody deceive you. Lock your emergency fund away and deposit it in a safe, low interest account where it can increase and possibly multiply no matter how small. Put it in a place where you, an account that does not have ATM, you need to create a separate bank account for it. It can't be your income account. Now say, no, I'm out of this money. You are the one that knows, like the lost cow. You remember that story? Like the one that knows, which one is the emergency for? I'm the only one that knows. Uh, really? Hmm. It's not an emergency for. As a matter of fact, uh, 
if possible, if you can do it, every income, your budget category, you should have an account for each one. So once the account for necessity is finished, it is finished. If there is no food, everybody should fast. By the time you also they fast this month, they will know how to manage food next month. People don't like to hear these things. You see, is it that you are hard on yourself or life is hard on you? You have to choose one. You have to choose one. My wife loves African magic, but I told her, I said, we are cutting the STV for two months now. If I yesterday, I had to put on TV. <laughs> Why did you put on this particular TV? Why did you put on this TV? I said, because we have not switched it on in a long time. I want to know if it's still working. Because I just realized, nobody watches it. We are too busy to sit down in front of a TV and be watching. I cut the thing off. I use the money for something more meaningful. It may be day we have guests in the house. Everybody wants to watch, we subscribe. But thank God for Netflix. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I hope nobody's working in DSCV here. Number eight. Avoid debt and pay off current debt as often as you can or as soon as you can. Proverbs 22 and verse 7. The Bible says the rich, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Avoid debt like a plague. You see, indebtedness is the slavery of the 21st century. Indebtedness is what? The slavery of the 21st century. You say, ah, buy now, pay later. Mortgage. You can, you can spread the payment. <laughs> really? You either pay now and pay later, or pay now and pay later. Haven't you noticed that when you buy things on credit, you enjoy it in the immediate. By the time you start doing the payments, you lose the enthusiasm and the passion for what you have bought. Haven't you noticed? The excitement is more when you save up for it and you buy it than when you have bought it and you now have to be doing the payments. At the end of the day, you even end up paying more. So pay off debts with the highest interest rate force. If you have several debts, pay the one with the highest interest rate force or the one that the, the creditor is on your neck. Now, if you don't pay before tomorrow, they will imprison you. <laughs> it might even be lesser, but you pay that one first. If you can't pay off your debts immediately, ask your lender or bank for debt relief or deferment. According to some financial analysts, there are two types of debts, bad debts and good debts. The difference is that a bad debt is for acquiring liabilities. A good debt helps you to acquire assets. The next logical question is, what's the difference between an asset and a liability? How do I recognize the difference between the two? An asset is something that puts money in your pocket. A liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. In simple terms. Now let's get more te technical than that. We're going to go more technical. We do that in Life Masterclass, the first service. An asset is anything that increases in value and enhances your net worth over time. A liability is anything that decreases in value and reduces your net worth over time. So some of those things you are buying, you are excited. Buy, 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 buy. The question you need to ask yourself is, does it increase in value over time or does it reduce in value? That shoe is not an asset because it is reduced. If a car is not an asset, except you are using it for Uber. Even a house is not an asset if you are living in it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A house is not an asset. I want to build my own asset. A house only becomes an asset if you are renting it out and you are collecting passive income from it. That's when it becomes an asset. Because a house you are living in, you still have to be maintaining it. So it's taking money out of your pocket. It's a liability. 
Number nine, I'm going to round up here this morning. Number nine is this. Increase your value in the marketplace. If you want to survive a financial tough time, increase your value in the marketplace. Increase your value. Increase your value. The Bible says in Matthew 25, verse 16 to 17, it says, Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained more also. So it simply means that which the master gave them multiplied in their hands. It increased. Your value as an individual and the value of your work in life and in the marketplace is never static. Your value is never static. You are either increasing in value or you are decreasing in value. If you are part of an organization or you are, you, you are working somewhere, right, uh, and um, you are about to leave, you will hear either of two words. Number one, why? Number two, when? If you hear why, it simply means they've been waiting for you to leave. They just did not know how. Now you are giving them the opportunity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But if you hear why, it simply means you were valuable. If they say when, it simply means you are disposable. And everybody has either a dependable value or a disposable value. So if you hear when, it simply means they've been waiting for you to leave. If you hear why, ah, why now? They want to know the reason. Maybe they can change your mind. But if they say when, they don't even want to change your mind. They are excited to see you go. Your value increases in the marketplace, number one, when you go the extra mile. When you go the extra mile. Number two, when you take on new projects. Avoiding responsibility in the marketplace makes you replaceable and disposable. So people are always looking for opportunities to, uh, I don't want to add to my workload. I don't want. (laughs) And value is not wanting you. Your value in the marketplace also increases when you make yourself available to your employer or to your customers. The French proverb says he who excuses himself accuses himself. Your value increases in the marketplace when you have sound work ethic. Sound work ethic. You need to be known in life as somebody that loves work. Work is a life essential. It's not an optional chore. You also increase your value in the marketplace when you develop new skills. When you develop new skills. Next week Sunday, I'm going to give you 12 skills you should develop in this age and time. You see, one of the things that's been discovered is this. Years ago, the shelf life of the average skill was 30 years. So if you have a skill, you can use that skill for 30 years. Uh, in the 21st century, since 2000 and, 2000 and was, was it 15? Since 2015, the shelf life of the average skill is six years. So for most people, while they are still in school, before they graduate, even the skill they went to acquire has become obsolete. Could it be that your certification is obsolete? Even though you just received it, could it be? Could it be? Could it be? This morning I want you to begin a prayer. You have had God's word. God has made his word known to you this morning. He has shown you strategies on how to survive financial tough times. Ask him, Father, what step do you want me to take this week? Open my eyes, the Bible says, that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. He says, hide not your commandment from me, for I'm a stranger in the earth. I want somebody to pray this morning. Ask God for direction this week. It's a new week. It's the beginning of another week. 
I want you to begin to ask God for direction for all that steps ask him to show you what to do very few, few things are as important in life as precision and direction direction will always be more important than speed I want you to talk to God this morning the father in the name of Jesus show me the step I need to take show me the direction I need to go the Bible says the hearing here and the seeing eye the Lord made them both ask God to make your high seeing eyes to see ahead to foresee that you might hide yourself from every form of evil in the name of Jesus open my eyes oh God make my high seeing eyes make my ears hearing ears in the name of Jesus